change around my team. Yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up. Welcome to Pods Community. I'm Jeff Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, I'm speechless right now. Uh, the last few weeks, you and I have sat down. We've talked about some BS at the top of the show, but there's so much news. Free agency opened on Tuesday. Full disclosure, you and I were going to what? We're going to wait until I think Monday to do a show. And what was it? Tuesday afternoon after some of these Ticat signings came out, I texted you and said, Hey man, I can't wait. When are you free? And we finally found a moment to do this. And since then, there's been even more players coming to the Ticats. It will preface all this by saying we know championships aren't won in February by signing free agents, but it's hard not to look at this Ticats team on February 13th, 2020, and think that they are they're somehow crazily better on paper than they were at the end of the 2019 season. This was a very good couple of days for Ticats fans. Yeah, I always say that each year it seems uh, free agency seems to get more and more exciting. And this year was very exciting with for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I mean, they got back a large number of their free agents. Um, and then they brought in some guys as well that obviously we're going to go and talk about here soon. But uh yeah, it was just really exciting following along, um, leading up to free agency, and then the first day was very busy, and the second day was very busy as well. And there's still some really big names out there, so I, I was overjoyed with what the Tiger, Tiger Cats did this year. Yeah, before we get to the specifics of the Tiger Cats, I kind of want to talk about how the opening of free agency kind of like really went. I feel like this tampering window, this legal negotiation period that the CFL imp- implemented this year – I think this has been just a boon for the league. You, The courting of Willie Jefferson over the weekend, I thought was thrilling theater. It was so much fun. He was in Toronto. He was at a Raptors game. Then he comes to Hamilton. His wife's tweeting out videos of stuff that the Ticats are doing. Like, It felt like we had this sort of like week ramp up almost, like almost like a week's pregame to the actual festivities on Tuesday at noon. And it kind of ratcheted up anticipation. And I feel like with teams being able to talk to players legally, we all know that tampering happened. Ed Hervey most famously got fined for announcing a deal like two minutes after free agency opened. And obviously he was talking, I think that was with Odell Willis, if I'm not mistaken. So we know that that happened. Now the CFL's kind of legalized it. And I feel like it just allowed for these deals to kind of come fast and furious. I was at work during the afternoon, so I didn't see these things as they happened. So I'm, I sat down for lunch and I just opened my phone and it's, it just felt like 
information overload. I honestly <laughs> felt like I couldn't keep up with how much stuff we had seen. And it just felt like I feel like this, this sort of the ability for teams to talk to guys who are pending free agents really kind of made this maybe one of the more exciting openings of free agency we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, it, it was great. And, you know, I was also at work during the first and second day. Uh, I was being a little bit naughty, though. I was on my phone quite a bit, and I was keeping up and uh, trying to tweet out from the Podski account and my account. And It was just, uh, like you said, it was, it was really exciting just to see all the signings coming in, and it was one after the other after the other, all big names. Um, you know, people talk about the continuity uh, on teams. You know, they, they're afraid to buy a jersey because uh, the player might be gone the next year, and that's a, that's a, that's a problem. But um, I think this free agency stuff is just uh, so exciting that it it overrides that problem, in my opinion. Oh, I, I you know what? I've never been someone who was concerned with. I, I know it's it's a it's a popular thing, like oh, all these player movements and these one year contracts they're they're ruining the the league and they're bad for the team and, and they're bad for the league. I've never believed that. Honestly, I've always kind of thought that player movement like I remember as a kid and and me, me and I are the same age when quarterbacks would like switch teams and it always felt like yeah, okay, Matt Dunnigan's not staying in a place for very long, but he was in Toronto for a couple of years and then he goes to Winnipeg and he was in Edmonton before that and he came to Hamilton and like Damon Allen played for how many teams? And I know that we hear, oh, you can't buy a jersey and you can't get attached to people. But I feel like player movement, it you do see a lot of guys resign anyway. But I feel like this player movement, it kind of – it can rejuvenate how you feel. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm going to freely admit that from the time we stopped doing the show after the Grey Cup to about when we when we re, we did our first one of the year this year – and I was kind of like CFL'd out. Like I honestly was kind of like, like contemplating, like, do we even continue doing this? Like what, what more is there left to say? Like, man, it's just, it, it just felt like it's, it's just, the, it's the same old, same old free agency comes and we, and we get guys staying and we get new guys in and it kind of just rejuvenates how I feel. And I like, now I'm like, I'm, I'm so pumped, like pumped. Like I said, I texted you and said, I can't wait. We need to talk now. <laughs> I feel yeah. like if, if, Teams were, were so static and, and there wasn't this player movement. I don't know if you would get that sort of mid-offseason bump that I think we as fans, I think we kind of need. Like, because there's there's a there's a clear, like, Grey Cup happens and that's great. And then there's kind of like a lull. And I think if you didn't have this where you saw some star players move from team to team, I feel like it might be, you might just kind of forget the CFL is even a thing. Yeah, and, and until you know the the draft and all and all that stuff. But yeah, I think I think it's a, a good thing too. All the teams now are are optimistic. I mean, all the fan base, not all of them, but uh, you know, a large number of these teams, I feel like, have improved through free agency, and um, it, it's a cause for excitement for all the fans across the league. Yeah, I think everyone. I I, I think you look at you look at every team and you go. From one year to the next, any team can can flip it and, and turn it around and go from worst to first and, and win a championship. And mm-hmm. it, it's such a small league that I think that plays a big part in it. But I also think the the player movement 
has a, has a big thing to do with it too. Like, look at a team, and we'll talk about each team later, but just to touch on it because you brought it up. Like, look at a team like the Argos. They went out and they spent a bunch of money. They added a ton of Canadian players. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you like what they did or not, we'll we'll talk about that later. But you, if you're an Argo fan, you see that some of the talent they brought in, it, it probably makes you feel a little bit better after the team went 14-4 and four, or 4-14 four and 14 last year and was like out of the playoff race by Labor Day. So now if you're an Argo fan, you're kind of thinking, okay, well, we got some – like, yeah, we lost some stuff, and but we, we got a couple quarterbacks here, and maybe that's what will change. And, oh, we added some Canadian receivers. And, I mean, you, you're probably pretty happy right now if you're a Toronto Argonauts fan. And I, I feel like without sort of – the ability for them to land a guy like Juwan Briskason. I don't know if that's that's necessarily there. No, and I, I said on Twitter that uh, noticing more and more Argonaut fans popping up on my timeline, like annoying the hell out of me, like um, it gives me a reason to really hate the Argos now. Like, don't <laughs> get me wrong, like you know the Argos suck, and and obviously it's it's you know since birth it's been beaten into me to hate the Argos, but. It's tough when they're not very good and uh, yep. they don't have a lot of fan support and all that stuff. But if these fans keep annoying me, I'm gonna, you know, have a real, real deep hatred for the Argonauts. So that I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it honestly, it ripping into the Argos felt like beating up on a baby almost for yeah. for a while yeah. because they were so bad and it, all the time to- you you felt bad for them because it's like there's no fan base there and and that's not true. But it's like. All the talk was like, and, and I, this comes with, I think, being in, in a part of like the CFL online community. You want to see the Argos be financially successful. But as a Ticat fan, I want to see them go 0-18 every friggin' year. So oh. while the Argos sucked, the Red Blacks kind of came along. And then obviously, you know, if you're listening to this show, you all know about the, the Ottawa-Josh rivalry. But, I mean, they sort of became the de facto, like, number one rival. Just because the, the games between those two teams meant so much more over the last few years. And then even this past season when, when Ottawa really sucked, it was, it was kind of hard to, to really like ratchet up the intensity for that rivalry. So, I mean, I, I kind of hope I want both teams to be terrible, but at the same time, there's, there's something fun about your rivals getting a little better and maybe providing a bit more of a challenge to the reigning East division champs. Yeah. And you know, they, I think they'll be better this year, but uh, they ain't going to touch us. I don't think. So let's let's just jump right into this then and, and talk about why we think they ain't going to touch us because we'll, we'll, if we just go on the defensive side of the ball, man, Mike, this – I'm just going to list the names, okay? Jagarrett Davis, yeah. Dylan Wynn, Ted Laurent, Julian Hauser, Simone Lawrence, Larry Dean, Patrick Levels, Delvin Bro, Cario Brooks, Tunde Adelike, Rico Murray, Frankie Williams. That's a goddamn all-star team. On defense, I saw someone tweet out. I wish I could remember who it was, but someone tweeted out after I think it was after they signed Patrick Levels. The Ty Cats are going to go 18 and 0 and allow zero points per game. Obviously, that's not the case, but that should tell you. And that wasn't from a Ty Cat fan. I'm pretty sure. I think it was one of our one of our uh, CFPN brethren that tweeted it out, and not a Ty Cat fan. That tells you how how ferocious and deadly this defense is going to be, Mike. That's. That, that's all-stars across the board. Where, where's the weak link in that defense, honestly? Tell me. I, I honestly can't think of one. You know, um, I feel like there's a couple areas that um, they need to fill on this team, but not on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you talk about – that's just you want to just start with the defensive line, bringing all those guys back? I mean – Which how, – how many times did I say over the offseason, privately to you or even on this show – 
I just I don't I don't think they can keep everybody, and mm-hmm. they kept them all. Yeah, and maybe it was a good thing we didn't get Willie Jefferson. Um, and don't get me wrong, Willie is, if not the best player in the league, one of them. Um, he absolutely destroyed us in the Grey Cup, and we all know it. Um, but he, you know, he brings a, he, he he costs a lot of money, and with, if we brought him in, I doubt we would have got guys back like Dylan Wynn. Um, so, you know, maybe it was a good thing. I'm very happy with bringing back Hauser and Wynn and Laron and Davis. Um, you know, those two guys in the middle are so powerful. Uh, they were so great together last season. And Hauser came in for uh, an injured Davis and, um, you know, did a really good job uh, filling in for him. He was basically in the whole season and, they obviously saw enough in him to bring him back as a starter. So that defensive line is uh, is going to co- cause problems, and it's just going to make everything easier for the linebackers and the secondary. And Dylan Wynn signed a two-year deal, Mike, and I think I'm going to proclaim on the show, I have not bought a tie catch jersey in many, many years. I think I'm plunking down a couple hundo, get me a Dylan Wynn jersey for the 2020 season. He became one of my favorite players last year, and I'm not just saying that because his family listens to the show and supports the show. He did. I remember when we when we signed him, when the Ticats signed him, and you and I were on the show, and we talked about how this is an underratedly great signing, and, and he himself thanked us for the kind words. Uh, it was one of those kind of surreal moments where you're like, oh, wow, the, we... I don't know. This is this is kind of weird. I'm I'm not used to yeah. I'm not used to people saying nice things about us. But he he very quickly. Maybe it was the sack dance, the Rick Root sack dance. Maybe it was just his general jovial nature. Like I met him at a an autograph signing that the Thai Cats had last last summer, and he just seems like he's a really good fun dude. Just a just a cowboy, and it's like. He's just he's one of those guys, maybe because I played offensive line and defensive line when I played football, one of those guys that is so underrated, I think. And last year he had this breakout season, CFL All-Star, 11 uh, sacks from the interior of the defensive line. He's He might be my favorite player on this team, and it might be time for me to uh, to dust off the old credit card and go, go pick up a Dylan Wynn jersey for this season. Yeah, I would not be against that at all. You know, Dylan Wynn is one of my favorite players on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, Dude, and how just... and how great was his was that that video he sent? Oh yeah, <laughs> now that was so good. Like, oh, we're deciding to sign in the XFL, and there's that yeah. like pause, and he's like, ah, I'm just kidding, we're running it back, Oski Weeby. It's like, come on, man, how do you not like that guy? Yeah, yeah, he does have a quite the personality, and I just like to make a correction that Hauser replaced Adrian Tracy. Oh, uh, you said little, Davis. Yeah. Little, you know what? I, I caught that and I was going to correct you, but I was like, did he say Davis? I can't remember. Yeah. No, you're yeah, right. It was Adrian Tracy. Yeah, Adrian Tracy. But yeah, Dylan Wynn, you know, tremendous player on the field, a personality. Um, I think he fits in great with his culture. And like, do we really even need to talk about what bringing Ja'Garrett Davis back means to this no. team? Like he's, if he's not the best pass rusher in the CFL, he's, he's top five. Uh, I'm with you too. Like it would have been really nice to see Garrett Davis and Willie Jefferson team up, uh, but that I think that does mean Dylan Wynn is elsewhere today. He's he's not back in Hamilton, and I think that with the production that they will get from Davis and Hauser, I think it. And and you're right. Like he Jefferson was a was a beast in the Grey Cup, and and almost single handedly on the defensive side of the ball won the Bombers that game. I don't know if the the Ticats 
needed him. He felt like more of a luxury signing. You know what I mean? Then, then like getting Davis last year felt more impactful simply because the Ticats pass rush wasn't great the year before. So you get a guy like him who had had so much success in Calgary and now you get him back. He knows the system. He knows the coordinators. I feel like, and again, I'm not trying to minimize the impact that Willie Jefferson would have had because this defensive, I, well, I said it when it was, when uh, our boy, Justin Dunk wrote it, that the Ticats could get David. Cause I thought you get Jefferson, you don't get Davis. And it was, Nope, they have the money to do both. And it's like, Oh my God. Like I was drooling thinking of, and I wrote it on, on the Twitter account that like, this is, if they can do this like this, the, imagine what opposing offenses would feel like. But you lose out on on Jefferson. He goes back to Winnipeg. You get Davis back. You get Win back. You add a guy like Patrick Levels to this defense. You re-sign Frankie Williams. And like I said at the top, show me the weakness on in this defensive unit. Is it, is it Hauser? Because no one really knows who he is. Is is it Cariel Brooks? Because people forget that he was an all-star in 2018. Like... There's not a weak link here. Now, you know, they're not going to go the seat. They're not going to get 18 straight shutouts and, and win every game. But this defense is – they were the best defense in, in the league in 2019. And like I said before, they somehow got better for 2020, and that's that's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely bonkers. And <clears throat> now we move on to the linebackers. And, uh, you know, we got Simone Lawrence back, obviously, but we brought in a guy – but a couple guys got Larry Dean in there to, you know, and I, I was, I liked Justin Tuggle. Um, yeah, me I, thought he, uh, I thought he improved as the season went on, but it's a clear upgrade from uh, Justin Tuggle. You know, Larry Dean's experienced guy. We all know what he is capable of um, from his time in Hamilton. And then, you know, he did a good job in Edmonton last year as well. Um, the question I have is who's going to be the strong side linebacker in this group because we know that Patrick Levels can play that position and has played that position. Um, but we also has Rico Murray, right? So um, I'm interested to see what they do there. I think, I think Levels plays Sam and I think you kick Rico out to replace Richard Leonard as the field halfback because Rico has okay. played, he's played that position before for the Ticats and he's, he's played, I think he's played every position in the secondary over his CFL career, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's the move to make, because I think Patrick Levels is a little... Like, he's not he's not a big dude, but I think he's... I mean, last year he was the division all-star at SAM, and he was probably... A lot of people believe he's the best SAM linebacker currently in the CFL. So, I mean, I, I don't think you bring in a guy like that and, and switch in positions, even though he can play in the secondary and did when he was in Calgary mm-hmm. for a little bit. I, I, think, I think you throw him at SAM, you, th- you kick Rico out to out to the field half spot to replace Richard Leonard. And I think you just roll that way. And, but that's the beauty of, of what this team has done. You can, you can rotate some of these guys and, and the versatility that they have. And, and Larry Dean, um, when he was making two twenty-five in Edmonton, I wasn't upset to see the Ticats let him go, but reportedly he took a massive pay cut and because the market just wasn't there for a 31 year old linebacker. He comes back to a place where he's had his most success. And he was great in Edmonton last year. Don't get me wrong, but he just feels like Hamilton is the place that he should be. The, like, doesn't he just feel like a middle linebacker for the Hamilton Tiger Cats? Like, he just just the way he, he plays, the way he looks. It just it just feels like this is the right fit. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Patrick Levels is five eleven, one eighty seven. Oh, um, he's, he's smaller than I yeah. thought. I, I thought he was a little bit bigger than that. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, you know, like I was saying when I. Uh, 
said I like him on the team uh, last week. Um, he, he lays a boom. Doesn't matter how big he is. Yep. He, he's flying around out there throwing his shoulders. So um, the linebacker core is good. I mean, I saw a tweet on uh, on Twitter, obviously, that uh, you know you get past the defensive line and then you have to deal with Simone Lawrence, Patrick Levels, and Larry <laughs> Dean. I mean, that is that's scary. It is. Uh, the, I think the the run defense is going to be um, a notch above what it was last year. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball, and they didn't make a ton of moves here. They brought back Brian Jones, which I mean. I'm going to try to be nice, but I don't really understand this this signing. Maybe he's the token fifth Canadian receiver. Uh, I know he plays some special teams, but to me this is kind of a meh sign. Like, whether he's back or not, I don't really think it, it makes much of a difference. I, and again, I'm not trying to be harsh on the guy, but I just he's he was the fourth overall pick in the draft a few years ago and has never really developed into a starting caliber player. But who has developed into a starting caliber player is Devere Posey. And to get a guy like that to pair with Brandon Banks with the speed he has. And I know we've said some things about Devere Posey on this show. Uh, I still stand by what I said. I don't think he's a number one receiver, uh, but I think he can be a very, very good number two. And he's got, if he's going to play Robin, he's playing next to bat, the best Batman there is in the game. So this, this one, two punch of Posey, and, and Banks, with, with with the arms that Evans and Mazzoli has, there's going to be a lot of chunk plays that these two guys are going to pick up for the Ticats this season. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned that uh, he might not be number one guy, but you're right. Paired with Brandon Banks, he's, you know, there's going to be a lot of ten- attention thrown Banks' way, and Devere Posey is going to benefit from that, you know. Uh, I think that for threat to the Ticats um, receivers, and you know, a guy like Jalen Acklin is is a speedy guy as well. So I was a little bit concerned about the the receivers when we lost Addison, and then it appears that Tasker is gone as well. But uh, Devere Posey sliding him in there is a uh, a pretty good replacement for for a guy like Braylon Addison. He may not be at the level of Braylon, but uh, he's a damn good number two. Yeah, I don't think he's like Braylon Addison would have been a number one receiver on any other team other than Hamilton yeah. last year, and I think Addison's versatility playing the, the Wildcat back there, running the ball. Like, I don't think Posey will replace that, but he will do enough in the passing game that will obviously warrant some attention, and maybe he helps take some attention away from Brandon Banks. Maybe Brandon Banks takes some attention away from him, and he can have some big games. I, I really, really like them bringing in a guy like that to be the number two receiver. I also really like the Don Jackson sign. This is a, a speedy back at a Calgary. Injuries kind of hampered him last year, but... With, with Sean Thomas Erlington, I think, still being sort of the, the bell cow back if he can ever come back from that injury he suffered last year, I still think Don Jackson has a has a role to play. So you look at a 1-2 running back combination of Sean Thomas Erlington and Don Jackson, I think you got a pretty two, a pretty good 1-2 combo there. Yeah, I like the Don Jackson signing as well. You know, I think he's – you're right. He was injured last year um, at some point. But before that, he kind of split duties with another Calgary – running back. So you saw flashes of what he could do, but uh, I've always liked the smaller, faster running backs in the CFL compared to the... You're a scat back guy, eh? I am a scat back guy, and don't get me wrong, I know there's more to it than just running the ball. You know, you have to be able to block and all that stuff, but strictly when you're handing the ball off, I just like the scat backs better than, um, you know, a guy like... um, uh, Just bigger guys, like maybe like a C.J. Gable now that he's later on in his career... 
Um, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that that uh, bigger bruising backs. Yeah, and, and and bigger bruising backs in the CFL aren't. It, they're they're more that that's more NFL stuff. You're Jerome Bettis like types. You're you're Derrick Henry. So like don't don't get me wrong. Those guys would come to the CFL and dominate too. But in this game, you kind of want sort of shiftier, more athletic, uh, more versatile backs. I think guys, I think you can throw them the ball and then they can yes. make moves in the open field type deal. Yeah, because there's so much space, right? That's what you want. You want yeah. guys that. That's why Brandon Banks is such a a weapon up here where in down in the NFL, I don't know if he would have been as successful. And obviously I think he's got the talent to play receiver anywhere in the world, but I think this game is so suited for a guy, his size that it makes him even that much more valuable up, up here. Uh, there was also some depth signings that this team made. Uh, they brought back Courtney Steven. They signed uh, Quadarius Ford from the Argos. And they also brought in Jordan Herdman Reed from the Argos. I don't think any of these guys – I mean, Ford could – he did start a bunch for the Argos over the last few seasons. I, I don't think any of these guys are really going to challenge for any starting positions. I, I, like, Courtney Steven was a safety. I, I don't think he's he's stealing Tunde Adelike's job anytime soon. Maybe if they need – for ratio purposes, they can throw him out at, uh, at field corner because that's where he started his career. But I think he's a special teams guy and a great one. The last time he was in Hamilton, he spent last year in Calgary, obviously – before that, everyone knows he was with the Ticats for like six seasons. He was the team's most outstanding special teams player. So obviously he has a role there. And I think the same, I think uh, Herdman Reed, I, I believe he started some for the Argos at middle linebacker, if I'm not mistaken. But you look at the linebacking core and he's not taking Dean's job. He's not taking Simone's job. But mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a guy basically that they swapped out for Nick Shortle, who they lost to the Argos. I don't know. The, the, you're not going to, not every signing needs to be a star player. You need these depth guys. And I think that, with adding Steven and we know with guys like Mike Daly and, and now with Herb Marine, I think Hamilton's special teams just got a lot better. Yeah, the special teams got a lot better. And I think that there's a trend going on here <clears throat> with some of the signings is versatility, guys who can play yep. multiple positions. Like we talked about the linebackers earlier, like Levels and Rico Murray, who can slide back into the into the secondary. And then a guy like Courtney Steven, who has played safety over the years, but can also be... A, a DB as well, um, whether it be cornerback or, or whatever. So uh, I, I just like I like these signings, I like the depth signings, because they can play multiple positions and they can contribute on uh, special teams right away. So it wasn't all gains for the Ticats, unfortunately. <clears throat> when you sign players, that means that other players uh, are, are not going to be brought back. Uh, the Ticats did lose a bunch of guys, some really good players. Connor McGuff and Richard Leonard went to Calgary. Nick Shortle went to Toronto. Anthony Coombs went to Ottawa. Justin Tuggle went to Edmonton. And, Mike, I think this is the one that hurts both of us the most. Riker Matthews has traded in his black and gold for the orange and black of the BC Lions. Uh, I would say which one of these ones is the most impactful, Mike, but I think it's pretty obvious. Losing Riker Matthews, uh, that one stinks. It does, you know. Uh, we've been fans of him ever since he came in, and you know, started with the Tie Cats, and uh, he's a stud. Like, he, there's no doubt about it. He's one of the, if not the best left tackle, one of he's the, the best. best left tackles in the For league. My yeah, money, you, he's, he's the best. Josh thinks he's the best, so we'll we'll just call him the best. And uh, unfortunately, he's on the BC Lions now. But you know, we were talking about it earlier that you know you can't bring back everybody you want and then bring in new additions to. Um, so this was bound to happen. We were, you know, bound to have to get young at some position in the starting lineup. And, uh, you know, left tackle is a very important position. And uh, it's unfortunate that we lost Matthews. But 
I have the confidence that they're going to bring in someone. They're going to bring in some American left tackles, some big guys, or maybe they're eyeing up someone on the roster already and go uh, go five Canadians on the offensive line. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, but uh, I know that they, they, they got a plan for this. Yeah, there's obviously still some holes in this roster. Uh, we don't know who the fifth starting receiver is going to be. If it's a Canadian, if it's an American, it depends on if they what they do at left tackle. That's still a hole. Kicker, punter is obviously a, a gaping hole. They literally don't have anyone <laughs> on the roster that plays those positions. But I mean, this is this is part of the business. It's I think the Richard Leonard loss it sucks. But I think that you sign – if you would have told me, hey, they trade Richard Leonard for Patrick Levels, Patrick Levels will play Sam and they'll kick Rico out to the secondary, I would have done that in a heartbeat. And that's no disrespect to Richard Leonard. I just think Patrick Levels does – Patrick Levels does his job at Sam better than Richard Leonard does his. Like the replacement level, the, the, the fall off from Rico to Leonard – is a lot less when you can sign a guy like Patrick Levels. The other guys, uh, Tuggle, you swapped him out for Larry Dean. Again, almost essentially a trade. Dean comes back to Hamilton. Tuggle goes to Edmonton. If you would have, if midway through the season last year, as much as we both said we'd like Justin Tuggle, if they would have said, oh, they're going to trade Larry Dean to Hamilton for Justin Tuggle, who, who would have said no? No one would have said no. Uh, Anthony Coombs, good player, but again, there's so many running backs that, that he – he, get, he might get a chance to really be something in Ottawa. Uh, Nick Shortle, special teams guy. Really good one, don't get me wrong, but special teams guy. They replaced him with Jordan Herman Reed. I think the only difference there is Shortle probably has a better chance of, of starting, uh, but he was never going to do that here. He was never going to supplant Simone Lawrence as a team starting Will Linebacker. And then you got Connor McGuff, who I, I'm not even sure – I'm not sure if we talked about it or if I wrote it somewhere, but him going back to Calgary was, I think, absolutely going to happen. He's he's a former Dino. He's from the area. He was going back to, to for the Stamps when he was a free agent. And the only thing that sucks about him is he was a first-round pick a few years ago and just never really developed into a starter yeah. on defense. So the Matthew, I, I will not minimize the loss of Riker Matthews, and I won't even try to minimize the loss of Richard Leonard. Both of those ones really suck, Matthews in particular. But the rest of them, I mean, I feel like they've, they've they replaced them with – better players essentially. So, I mean, I don't see a huge downtick with the exception of losing Riker Matthews with losing these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. The, all those guys you listed are, are very good players, but there's either not, you know, they don't fit on this team right now. There's better players ahead of them or, or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, the only big, big loss I think is, is Riker Matthews. And, you know, we're going to have a, a tough time replacing him. It's going to be tough to uh, replace the, the talent level of a guy like Riker Matthews. And uh, But I don't, I don't think they would let him go if they didn't have a plan to replace him. Well, and, you know, maybe they just didn't have the money. Maybe you bring Ja'Garrett Davis and Dylan Wynn back. And, like, you say everything's won in the trade. Like, that's, that's the big football mantra, right? Like, you win mm-hmm. by having the best – Offensive and defensive lines. Well, I think that I, I, I defy anyone to name me a better defensive line than we have in Hamilton right now. And you look at the offensive line, and yes, you lose your left tackle, and that sucks. But you have a former finalist for most outstanding offensive lineman in uh, Brandon Revenberg. You have Mike Filer at center, who has been a stalwart there. You have Darius Soraka, who has been a starter since his first season in the league at, at guard. And then you have the reigning defending undisputed 
most outstanding offensive lineman from 2019, Chris Van Zyl. Like, that's still a really, really good offensive line. you you got to groom someone, or like you said, maybe they have someone in-house. I don't know, but I I think you can minimize the loss of Matt. I, again, I don't want to downplay what it means to lose a player of his caliber, but I think you can you – can, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Three years ago, no one knew who this guy was, and he became, for my money, the best at, at his position in the league. Maybe they can find another diamond in the rough. You never know. Right. And maybe if there's a, a little bit of a, a weak link at left tackle, they can strategize to yep. help him out. Like we were talking about it earlier, you mentioned <clears throat> maybe bring in a, a fullback and go go yeah. max protect and, and try, try to help out that young left tackle. So And not even um, max protect. You, you bring Nika Kalinic in and you have him chip or you have the running back chip. As, right. as you, you know chip what I mean? Release, so, yeah. yeah it's, there's ways to work around it where again it's it's not going to be the same with with Matthews out of there but and who knows maybe they maybe there's there's a couple Justin Renfro and Derek Dennis are still free agents maybe there's some value to be had there where the market dries up for those guys and you unfortunately for them offer them a little less than they're willing to take but they still want to play ball and you get them as your left tackle and I mean they're not Riker Matthews but I mean if you replaced Riker Matthews with Derek Dennis that's not a huge drop off no, no. Derek Dennis has been a solid tackle in this league for many, many years. But Former most outstanding offensive lineman. He's a great player. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I text. I didn't text him. I, I tweeted him because he was talking about how he has lack of respect. And I, I said, XFL? Question mark. And he did like the tweet. So mm. maybe he's going to the XFL. Mm. Who knows? I guess, we'll, I guess we'll have to find out. So taking this all in, what? who came back? Who is new? And who they lost. How do you feel about the Ticats after the first couple of days of free agency? I feel amazing. Um, they brought in, they brought back so much talent that we wanted. And I, I had a feeling it was going to happen because <clears throat> I just feel like players want to play for for these for this coaching staff, for this organization. Um, they're excited to be back. And um, and then we bring in some guys like Devere Posey, um, you know, some additions. I'm over the moon. I think this team has improved, um, and they're going to be at the top of the East again this year. I'm I just very, very excited about this season upcoming. Yeah, I know it's February, so it's way too early to be making predictions. <clears throat> I don't see how this team isn't the hosting the East final in November. I really don't. I mean, you just look at – yeah, there's obviously holes, but every team across the league has holes right now. No one is a fully formed squad right now. I just keep going back to this defense, and I know I listed the names off, so I won't do it again. I Show me the weak link, Mike. Show me the weak link on that defense. Show me where teams will go, oh, this is where we can attack, and and I'll tell you why you're wrong. You know what I mean? This defense is – this might be one of the most talented defenses – on any team I've ever seen assembled on one team that isn't a, a literal all-star team. Like, it's incredible. Guy, guys' numbers are going to go down. Like, is Dylan Wing going to have 11 sacks this year? Probably not, but he's still going to wreak havoc in the backfield. Ja'Garrett Davis is going to do what Ja'Garrett Davis does. Ted Laurent's going to do what he does. Those linebackers. Hauser could be improved. Who knows? I, I think Julian Hauser is a guy who could have a breakout season because teams are going yeah. to focus on the other three. And if he gets one-on-one, he's going to make a lot of plays. He really mm-hmm. is. You look at that secondary. You look at those linebackers. I'll say it again. Show me the weak link, and, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. 
Yeah, you can't do it. I don't think you can do it. I mean, you know, biased uh, Ottawa Red Blacks fans or someone like that, I'm sure could find something. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't see it. I just think that, you know, the players that we have on the defensive side of the ball, it's uh, teams should be worried, you know, because we're going to be beaten up on teams. Yeah. Um, not allowing them to pass the ball or run the ball. It's beginning. Forget zero points the whole season. Negative number. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be a lot of teams across CFL that are going to come into Hamilton and get their shit pushed in. Like this is this this is a big boy football team right now, Mike. And whew, I, I'm just I can it be June? Like let, let's get this season started. I'm ready to go now. Yeah, that, that's the rest uh, of this off season. Let's let's go. Let's play some ball right now. We will be there before you know it. You know how time goes by so quickly now. I that, do. Uh, I do. We're old, old chaps. It, it just goes by quicker and quicker. So before you know it, we'll be in. You'll be in Tim Hortons Field watching football, and I'll be watching on TV and going to Eskimos games, and it's going to be a fun time. All right, let's uh, let's flip it over. Let's talk about the other teams in the CFL and how they did during free agency. Let's start on the far left coast. Let's start with the BC Lions. Uh, what we're going to do, we're just going to kind of name off who they brought in, kind of talk about the teams a little bit. Uh, we won't spend as much time on this as we did on the Ticats, obviously. So the Lions made a bunch of additions here, signing a bunch of guys. They extended Gary Peters, but they signed Chris Rainey, Derek Jones, J.R. Tavai, Chris Kasher, uh, Cameron Walker, Ryan Brown, Kevin Francis, uh, Riker Matthews, as we already talked about, and probably the big one outside of Matthews, Micah Johnson. So Chris Kasher is a really good add, I think. Uh, the, if you look, they added Kasher, J.R. Tavai, and Micah Johnson to that defensive line. One of the areas that the, that the Lions had trouble with last year was along the defensive line. They bring in Riker Matthews to kind of solidify the left-hand side of that offensive line. They lost Brandon Dozier, uh, Jean Simon Roy, David Menard, Junior Luke, and Frederick Gagnon, I think it's Chanyon. I'm not sure. You know what? It's French. I'm going to butcher it. I'm not even going to bother. Uh, what do you think about the Lions? Like, I, I you kind of agree the the big moves there, Casher, Johnson, and uh, Matthews coming in. Yeah, yeah, and that's the you know that was the big thing last year, right? The the offensive line was uh, a work in progress to say the least, especially all, uh, early on in the season. Um, We've talked about. I think that they got better as the season went along. They changed their offensive line coach and they improved. Uh, but adding a guy like Riker Matthews uh, at left tackle is going to be massive for them. Um, Mike Riley must be just rubbing his hands together, you know, just happy that he's not going to have to worry about some guy popping him when he's not looking. Um, and then, and then the defensive line was it was a bit of a problem too for the BC Lions. And to get a guy like Mika Johnson is huge. Uh, I think the BC Lions have improved overall, and uh, I think I think we're going to see a, a much better BC Lions team next year. Yeah, and apparently they're still in the running for Darrell Walker. So you add a guy yeah. like that to to a receiving core with Brian Burnham and Shaq Johnson, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I too think that the Lions have improved. I, I you look at the guys that they lost, and there's not really like Brandon Dozier's a pretty good, pretty good defensive back, but. I don't know. You, you look at how they improved along the lines, and I think uh, I, I think he, I, there, there's no one out there that can say the Lions got worse 
after the uh, first couple of days of free agency. Let's move down the road or across the provinces to uh, to Alberta and head to the capital where you reside, Mike. We'll talk about uh, the team in Edmonton, who you are a season ticket holder for. They brought in a bunch of guys as well. Defensive back Jonathan Mincy, Justin Tuggle, as we talked about earlier. They brought back offensive lineman Tommy Draheim. Uh, they bring in Corey Jones, Brandon Burke, Shakir Ryan, Alex Charette, John Simon Roy, Jermaine Gabriel, who's a really good Canadian uh, safety, and your buddy Tony Pumpkin, Antonio Pipkin, has signed with Edmonton. They lost some guys here too, some pretty good players actually, uh, Josh Johnson, Taekwon Glass, Don Unamba, Christoph Malumba, Shaminga, Devaris Daniels, Larry Dean, Alex Bazzi, Josiah St. John, and Money Hunter. Yes. What do you think about how Edmonton did over the first few days of free agency? Uh-huh. Not so great. Um, you know, you, you mentioned all those guys that they lost, and those are a lot of good players. That um, is, that I, I didn't realize until I started naming them off. I'm like, Josh Johnson, wow. he's pretty good. Tyquan Glass yeah. is pretty good. Don Unamba's pretty good. Devars Daniels is pretty good. Larry Dean's pretty good. Alex Bazzi's like, that is a lot of talent out the door. Yeah, I, I, I don't really, I don't really like it. Um, I like what they did at running back, bringing in some faster guys. Uh, you know, we're big fans of C.J. Gable here, but <clears throat> you know, he's he's past his prime. Uh, he wasn't as good last year as he was in previous years. Um, I, I, I like that they, they went faster at that position, but other than that, I mean, they brought back Draham, um, who is a solid offensive lineman and, and they will, this year again, they will have, a, a tremendous offensive line, but I think they lost a lot of players in the secondary and the linebacking core. I think this, that defense is going to be a bit suspect this year. Yeah. It does feel like the, uh, the Eskimos took a step back. After free agency. Uh, Let's move down the highway in Alberta. Let's go to Calgary where the Stampeders actually participated in the first day of free agency. It's it's like we're in the bizarro world. Uh, They raided the Ticats for a pair of players and Richard Leonard and Connor McGuff. They bring in uh, kicker punter Ronnie Pfeffer. They signed Brandon Dozier away from the BC Lions. They re-signed one of their backup quarterbacks, Montel Cozart, and they brought in former Argos quarterback Dakota Prukup. Uh, the losses, Don Jackson came to Hamilton. Courtney Steven came to Hamilton. They lose a really good defensive lineman in Chris Casher to the BC Lions. And they lost maybe the guy who could be the breakout Canadian receiver of the year, Juwan Briskason, lost him to the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, it, you know what? It's really hard to judge. It, it's hard to say anything but the Stamps did well. Like, they did lose some talent, Jackson and, and Briskason and Casher in particular. Uh, they didn't bring, like... They brought in some good players. Leonard, a good player. Dozier's a good player. But it's the Calgary Stampeders, man. What what they do or don't do in free agency doesn't really matter, does it? It hasn't over the past. <clears throat> but, uh, God damn it, I wish you'd just catch up to them. Like, <laughs> they, they're just, they can just do this, you know. I know they signed a couple of guys. And it's kind of funny that there seems to be a lot of movement from How- Hamilton to Calgary over the years. Yeah, you know, especially- there has been. In the, in the secondary, there's a lot of Hamilton guys going to Calgary. Calgary guys coming to Hamilton. Um, but, man, maybe this year is the year that it bites them on the ass, and they're just so confident that they can, they can find people and, and not sign free agents. Um, I know it's worked for a lot of years, uh, and I'm going out on a limb here, but I think uh, it's going to bite them on the ass this year, and um, I'm not overly impressed with what they did. Are you giving a preseason hot take that the Stamps are going to fall off in 2020? Yeah, preseason hot take right here. Um, you know, they'll be in the mix, but 
I don't the West is no longer there. theirs for the taking. Is that what you're saying? No, I don't. I do not believe so. No. That the rest of the division has caught up to them. You think? I, I think so. Uh, Beside maybe not the Eskimos. You know, we'll see what happens with them. But I think BC's better. Winnipeg's coming off a great cup year. Saskatchewan's coming off a good year. Um, so it's it's. You know, I could be I could be way off, and they sign some some guys that we never heard of, and they come in and replace and do a tremendous job. But uh, eventually, this has to stop. All right, let's talk about the Rough Riders. Uh, they were very quiet during free agency, but to, to to their credit and to be fair, their general manager Jeremy O'Day said we're going to focus on re-signing our own guys, and we're not really going to do a ton. Uh, in the free agent market, and he stood by that, signing just four players, quarterback James Franklin, defensive lineman Jordan Reeves, who was a re-sign, actually. They brought back Solomon Elamimian, and they repatriated their former number one overall pick, Josiah St. John. They lost Philip Blake and Darius Bledek on the offensive line. They lost Micah Johnson on the defensive line. They lost uh, linebacker, more more of a depth player, I think, than anything else, Alexandre Gagne, and they lost defensive back Denzel Radford. I feel like... It's hard to judge what the Riders did in free agency simply because they prioritized re-signing their own guys, which they did. These are only the players that actually hit free agency that we have here. These aren't the play or the guys that were headed towards free agency, I guess, the day of. That's, this doesn't count all the guys they signed prior to that. So they prioritized re-signing their own guys. They did that mostly. They brought in a solid backup quarterback in Franklin. They did lose some offensive line depth, though, which I think could hurt them. But I think all in all, it's really tough to... They were 13-5 last year, the number one team. I think they were 13-5. Yeah, they were 13-5 last year, number one team in the West. I don't really think they did anything to, like, uh, unless they have overestimated that Solomon Alamimian can still be an impact player this season. And they lost some offensive line depth, which could hurt them if, if guys get hurt. Other than that, it's kind of hard to really judge what the Riders did in free agency because they didn't really do anything. Yeah, it's tough. I don't think they've improved. Um, you know, you mentioned the guys they lost on the offensive line and then a, a stud like Mickey Johnson on the defensive line. Maybe those lines aren't going to be as good as they were last year. Um, so, you know, if I had to give them grade, it'd be like middle of the pack, like a, a C or something like that. I don't think they they got substantially worse, but I don't think they've got better either. Let's move to Winnipeg with the defending Grey Cup champions, which is still very weird to say. Uh, they also didn't really do a whole heck of a lot. But what they did do, I think, Mike, like obviously the, the re-signing Willie Jefferson was, was the big move. But they bring in Josh Johnson from Edmonton, who I think is a stellar defensive back. They just today, uh, on Thursday, signed Toby Antigua, who I think is one of the more versatile players in the CFL. And they re-signed linebacker Thomas Miles. They watched Derek Jones, Corey Jones, Craig Rowe, and Drake Nevis walk I mean, the, the Bombers were a pretty solid team to begin with. I think that secondary, which lost some guys to the NFL, I think bringing in a guy like Josh Johnson, I think is really going to help them. I think Toby Antigua could be sort of the Swiss Army knife of that defense. Again, not a lot of losses, not a lot of gains, really kind of hard to judge the Bombers. But I think they, once just like the Riders, kind of prioritize bringing back their own guys. I can't say I liked what they did, but I don't dislike what they did either. Yeah, I think they kind of like stabilize themselves. You know, that's you a great way of putting that, it. That is a great they, way of putting it. They lose some guys to the NFL in the secondary, and then they bring in a guy like Josh Johnson, who has been very good. He was very good last year for the Eskimos. So uh, I think they're about on the same level uh, as they were last year. And obviously, the Grey Cup champs, and they're 
very talented bunch. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I'm not overly, um, you know, happy or I don't think they've done a great job in bringing in guys, but I think they've done enough to be a contender again this year. All right, let's move to the East. Let's move to the team that's closest to where I am right now. We're talking about the Toronto Argos. Deep breath here because they were a very busy team. They brought in Juwan Briskason, wide receiver from Calgary, Philip Blake from Saskatchewan, Devaris Daniels from Edmonton, Nick Shortle from Hamilton, Craig Rowe from Winnipeg, Darius Bladeck from Saskatchewan, Alex Bazzi from Edmonton, Fabian Foote from Montreal, Chris Ackie from Montreal, Drake Nevis from Winnipeg, Denzel Radford from Saskatchewan, and they just recently traded for kicker-punter Boris Beattie from Montreal. They lost Cleon Lang, Ronnie Pfeffer, Jonathan Mincy, Chris Rainey, Dakota Prukup, Justin Herdman-Reed, Abdul Kene, Tyler Crepinha, who they traded to Montreal for Boris Beattie, Jermaine, Gabriel, and Toby Antigua. I know you put on Twitter, I believe it was you that put on Twitter, that you liked what the Argos have done. That is a lot of guys to bring in, but there is a lot of talent on on the, that, that list of guys that they signed. Mm-hmm. And they lost a fair bit of talent as well. But I think, all things told, I think the Argos got better over the first couple of days for agency. Do you agree? Yeah, I would have to agree with that. You know, the receiver position, they really stocked up with Canadians, uh, talented Canadians, that can start. So... It's going to be, you know, I, I'm not sure if they're going to be multiple Canadians on that in that receiving core, but they do have the talent to do that. They um, also, oh, you know what, you know who we didn't bring up because he wasn't a free agent? They also signed TJ Jones from the NFL. Yes. Canadian yeah. went to Notre Dame, played for the Detroit Lions to their receiving core as well. That's a, wow, it's a pretty lethal receiving core if you th- when you really kind of, like you have him, Bress Gason, and Tavares Daniels as your top three. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, and it's interesting that uh, Diverse Daniels and TJ Jones reuniting. Yep. Both from Notre Dame. Former so. Fighting Irish. I mean, they didn't play. Did they very play good. at the same time? Did, did they play at the same time? Or? Yeah, 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 they were on the same team. They didn't play. Okay. They yeah. Weren't very good. That those Notre Dame teams weren't that great, but I mean, they were they were talented players. But yeah, they were they actually played at the same time. They're in the same receiving group. Yeah, and then they bring in you know they they sign uh, Bethel Thompson back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a good move. I, I think he's a solid. Nichols. Yeah, brought in Matt Nichols. He's probably going to be the starter um, based on the money and the length of contract. But um, I think they have some depth now at quarterback with uh, McBLT behind him. I think he's a he's a pretty he's a pretty good quarterback. I think that uh, surround him with better tools and he could he could possibly be uh, a starter in this league. Um, you know, they've done many things on the def- <clears throat> defensive side of the ball, defensive line, uh, secondary. Uh, it, it's hard to wrap my head around how many players they have brought in, but you know I, I'm impressed with what they've done. They they said, hey, we, our team sucked last year. We need to get rid of a lot of guys and bring in some new guys. And um, I like who they brought in. My only concern is they signed a lot of Canadians, and it's not a concern in a bad way that they bring in Canadians, but signing Canadians in free agency especially the elite level ones like Briskason is like Philip Blake is like Darius Bladek is like Chris Aki is those guys cost a lot of money and mm-hmm. reports are they're paying Daniels and Briskason and TJ Jones, another Canadian 200 plus a year. That's a lot of money in three receivers. You know what I mean? Like that's the only thing that I can kind of nip because I think the talent they got was, is tremendous, 
But if I'm going to nitpick something about what the Argos did is signing Canadians in free agency is usually not the cheapest route. Usually the best way to do it is you develop guys in-house and they're somewhat willing to take a hometown discount, maybe not by too much, but they, they, they came up in your system. They want to play for your team, so they'll somewhat take a discount. When you're bringing guys in in free agency, you're essentially overpaying. There's... And no one in the league in the CFL gets overpaid more than Canadian players. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but with the ratio and how it is, you know, supply and demand, that's that's the way the market goes. That's a lot of money to spend on some Canadian players. So that, that could be one area where this, it kind of, you know, I'm a little iffy on it. Yeah, and you never know. You know, we've seen this before where teams bring in all these free agents and then they just don't seem to gel or it just doesn't work yep. out. So that's a possibility. How many times here. did that happen with the Ticats? Quite a few. How many um, great cups did this team win in the winters of the 2000s, like from like 2004 to 2008? How many great cups did they win and how many actual wins did they win? So winning yeah. winning free agency doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win during your regular season. No, definitely not. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's cause for optimism for, for yeah, Argonauts. I would agree. Like, I, I really do. You know, it's it's, it's got to be improvement over last year. It just it just has to be. Well, and the thing is too, if you're a fan of the Argos, at least they did something. Right. You know what they, I mean? They're like, really trying. They are. Yeah, trying. they are. They're going out there. They're they're scouting players. They're trying to bring guys in, even if they're overpaying them. They're doing something to try to say we weren't good enough last year, and we're going to try to make that different. If the, if it doesn't work out, you can at least say that they didn't try. Yeah. Same can be said. Know, that, yep. Go ahead. And I was just going to say, you know. Um, you know, Toronto is owned by MLSE, and maybe they don't care if they go over the cap. I mean, they have more money than God. So um, I know they're supposed to play by the rules, but you don't you don't have to if you can pay the fine. Can we talk about that for a second? Because I feel like that's – with the Argos and with the Ticats, that came up a lot. Everyone's like, they're going to have to cut everybody and and uh, – or they're going, to, they're going over the cap. And can we – just like kind of dead the idea that going over the cap is somehow cheating. There's, there's fines in place. There's punishment in place. If you exceed the salary cap, there's, there's financial fines. There's loss of draft picks. If you go too far over, if a team and an owner is willing to do it, who cares? It's not my money. Yeah. And in, in saying that we've been, you know, being Ticat fans, we've been victim of that in the uh, 2013 Grey cup when Saskatchewan yep. went all out. So, um, I, I, yeah, I don't really have a problem with it either. I mean, if they if teams go over the caps and that that's their, they have to pay the fine or or lose draft picks, and the, that's just the price they pay. It's not like if they go over the cap, they're automatically disqualified. So you can do it. Do you think the reason people think of because we call it's it's the salary management system is the official name of what the quote unquote salary cap is in the CFL? Do you think that because it's football that people look and say, oh, in the NFL, it's a hard cap, and this is the number you can't go above. And that's why people think that when teams in the CFL go over the cap, they're quote-unquote cheating. But it to me, this is more of like an NBA system where in the NBA, you can go over the cap. Like, the, for instance, the Golden State Warriors are, are over the cap because of the players they had. They, they, went, they were over the cap when they signed Kevin Durant all those years ago and gave him, you know – Steph Curry, who's making two hundred million, and Clay Thompson, who's making a bunch, and Draymond Green, and blah blah blah. This, the I feel like CFL fans need to start looking at the the salary cap in in the NBA terms and not the NFL terms. Just because they're the same sport doesn't mean they have the same salary rules. 
The CFL mm-hmm. one is much more of a luxury tax system to me. It's this is the cap. If you go over it by a hundred thousand, you pay a hundred thousand dollar. You pay one dollar for every dollar you are up to a hundred thousand dollars. If you go over that, it's two dollars from a hundred one thousand all the way up, and the loss of a first round draft pick. And then I think it's three hundred thousand, and you lose two draft picks, and it's three dollars. Blah 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 blah. If a team is willing to do it and willing to pay the fine, it's not cheating. It's 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 a luxury like they're 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 playing by the rules every team can do this if they choose not to that's up to them yeah i don't get all the concern from everyone you know how are they doing this what the cap the cap the cap it's like we don't know here's the thing we also don't know what the cap is we have no idea what these players make we get you know guys like dunk and and dave naylor and farhan will tweet out sort of the the numbers that they hear we we don't know for certain what these guys make. So we yep. can we can assume. In some cases, we do, especially the superstar players. Those numbers get leaked out. But we don't know what team salary cap situations are like. And let's talk about the Ticats, for instance. They lost a bunch of – they lost a guy like Riker Matthews who they weren't playing peanuts. Jamal Westerman, who people forget, was making 250000 He was the highest paid defensive lineman in the CFL. And his contract's off the books. That's how you're able to sign these guys. You know what I mean? Like it's not mm-hmm. – and again, even if they go over the cap – I don't care. No. And there, there's there's tricks. There's tricks. Like the GMs know, like you mentioned, you know, that we lost uh, – money came off the cap. And then there's like uh, something with Mazzoli. The, his salary was – Jeremiah Mazzoli was six-gamed twice last year, which means there's a couple hundred thousand dollars from his contract that the team didn't use. <laughs> they signed him to a contract extension on December 31st. A part of his salary was used on last year's cap. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. how these things work. And because, and this goes back to the conversation we had last week, because there's no transparency in salaries, we're all just guessing. So, I maybe the Thai Cats and the Argos will have to cut a bunch of players in training camp because they're over, they're too far over the cap. Maybe, remember when everyone thought the Montreal Alouettes were over the cap a couple years ago because they signed Tommy Campbell and I mean they they were apparently slipping them envelopes of money under the mm. table to take lesser contracts, but. They didn't go over the salary cap. So, I mean, it's possible. Let, 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 let me put it this way. You know who I trust? Here are the, here are the group's people. Sean Burke and Drew Alamang, the general managers of the Hamilton Tire Cats, a bunch of people on Twitter. Who do I trust to know what the Hamilton Tire Cats salary cap situation is like more? It ain't the group on Twitter. So, I'm just going to say I think they know that the two guys that have been in the football operations department of this football team for over a decade know what they're doing more than some random people on, on social media. I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move on to the Ottawa Red Blacks. And we talked about how the Argos were doing everything they could to at least show their fans that they're trying to make the team better. I'm not sure you can really say the same about the Ottawa Red Blacks. They made a couple of pretty big signings. They bring in Cleon Lang and Don Yunan, but those are some pretty good players. They bring in Anthony Coombs, who could be a decent player. Uh, They bring in a depth linebacker and special teams guy in Christoph Malamba-Shaminga, and they repatriate Abdul Kane from the Argos. They lost J.R. Tavai to BC and Kevin Francis to BC. I know it says here that Anthony Coombs is listed as a wide receiver, but the one thing I don't see on this list is an actual wide receiver for the quarterback Nick Arbuckle in Ottawa to throw to, and you can't throw 600 passes to Brad Sinopoli, so... Where is the offense coming from here? I, I don't – I like the Unamba signing. I like the Lang signing. There's not enough here on offense for me to really like what Ottawa did. I don't see where they have made themselves demonstrably better to start making a run 
at, at a, even a team like Montreal, let alone trying to challenge Hamilton. I, I think it could be another long season in the nation's capital. Yeah, I feel that way too. You know, I liked a couple of guys they brought in, but they're not going to make uh, that big a difference to, you know, winning games. Um, you're right. I mean, they, they brought back what RJ Harris. He's a receiver who had a yeah. okay year last yeah, year. Okay. Um, I mean, so not yeah, a star. So not please to start, yeah. but the problem with him is he can't be your number one option. He's, no. he's, he's a great player, but those those types of receivers, he's he's a slot guy, he's a possession guy, he's not going to take the top off the of defense. When you have Greg Ellingson, when you have Ernest Jackson, when you have Chris Williams, Brad Sinopoli's at his best. You, it, Brad yep. Sinopoli is not – he's a number one receiver in terms of production, and a couple of years ago he was – he had like 1,300 yards, but you need a great – at least one more, if not two more guys that can take attention away. It, it, teams will just double Sinopoli and make you throw to these these guys no one knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it might be. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be ugly again this year in Ottawa. And uh, I think the GM head, head might roll, uh, Marcel Desjardins. Uh, it's going to be, you know, he's a very stubborn man. Um, he's set in his ways, and uh, I think it's going to bite him on the ass. Uh after another disappointing season for Ottawa. All right, let's move on to the last team on our list here, the Montreal Alouettes. They made a bunch of moves as well. Uh, they re-signed Siante Evans. They brought in Taekwon Glass. Uh, they also brought in, I love this name, Marlo Sean Franklin, which oh, that, that's that's an all-time name team there. Uh, David Menard, Junior Luke, Alexandre Gagné, Frederick Shenyang, Money Hunter, Kingsley Opara, another all-time great name. Logan Togo, another all-time great name. Tyler Crepina, Woody Barron, which sounds like someone who would be like, I mean, maybe because his name's Woody Barron, he sounds like a, a lumber, like a uh, magnate. Uh, Bo right. Banner and former Ticat Adrian Tracy. They lost defensive lineman Ryan Brown. They lost defensive lineman Fabian Foote. Patrick Levels and Devere Posey left to come to Hamilton. Chris Ackie left to go to Toronto. Antonio Pipkin, your boy, went to Edmonton. And they traded Boris Beattie to Toronto. What do you think about the Owls here, Mike? Uh, they were, they're, they've been somewhat of a chic pick this offseason to kind of dethrone the Ticats and get to the Grey Cup. I see some good moves here. I don't see any moves that make me confident that they're going to be able to top the Ticats this year. What about you? Uh, no, I, I don't. I think they stayed the same or maybe got a little bit worse. Um, I do like some of the players that came in. They didn't really improve the defensive line, which was a bit of a problem for them last year. You know, they lost a guy like Devere Posey, who had a career high in uh, reception yards and uh, average yards per catch. Um, that That's, uh, you know, a big weapon to lose. Obviously, we gained from it. Um and uh, yeah, I just I just don't see how they really got a lot better. I think they'll be um, a good team, but uh, I don't think they're going to be as dangerous as people think they are. So after I think it was day one of free agency, I sent out a tweet on the Podski account. How are we feeling after today, Ticats fans? Happy, excited, nervous, angry? Hit us with your CFL FA takes, and we'll read some of them on our some of them. I can speak today on our next show. So I figured now might be a good time to uh, to read some of those out. Kevin sent in one. Winners, Argos, went big 
for good Canadian talent. Secured eight Canadians that can start. Unreal. Owls, a lot of good moves to shore themselves up. Looking good for 2020. Ticats, keeping most of the team together was key. Job done. Plugged their losses with better players. Uh, Adam said, I am left wondering how much longer Marcel Dan keeps his job for. To which Tina replied, hopefully a very long time. That gave yeah. me a chuckle. Uh, Austin said, a little bit of everything. One of the things Hamilton prided themselves on last year was their depth. With Shortle and McGuff leaving, I think that took a big blow. They have a real good team, but when the inevitable slew of injuries comes around, they could be in trouble. Matthew said, happy slash excited because we nearly got our entire defense back and even brought back Dean and Steven. Interested in seeing what they do at left tackle now that Matthews is gone and what they do at receiver. Uh, Adam said, I'm overall excited. We kept the core, lost one impactful player in Matthews and added some nice pieces on D and a proven running back. On the other hand, I'm nervous about our offense. Will Okafor hold down left tackle? Who will replace Addison? Can't wait for June. And Adam, another Adam, wow, three Adams replied to this. Jeez, we should do a, a survey and find out how many listeners of the show is named Adam. Uh, Adams. The third Adam said, nervous. The Argos definitely got better, and apart from a slight middle linebacker upgrade, the Ticats haven't improved any position and lost some key guys. Well, that Adam, I think you'll listen to the beginning of the show, we will totally disagree with. But these were all some pretty good takes. Uh, Mike, any of these that stuck out for you? The, the Desjardins was, was freaking fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. If uh, you know, I said that I thought he might be, you know, canned after this year if things go really south for the for the Red Blacks. But as Tina mentioned, uh, I would not mind him being around for many more years to come because you know he did win a Grey Cup with that Ottawa, but uh, it just it's not been good since since the you know couple years that they've been uh, they were at top of the East. Yeah. So uh, all in all, Mike. Uh, if you had to pick, let's say, two teams that you really liked their free agent halls and two teams that you didn't, uh, where are we going? I got to go with uh, Hamilton and Toronto, teams that I really like what they did. Obviously, Hamilton bringing back all those all those guys that we had last year, plus a couple key additions. Um, and the Argonauts bringing in all that Canadian talent. It's, uh, I think those are the two top teams. Um, in free agency this year. Uh, two that I didn't really like, uh, Edmonton, um, didn't really like what they did. I think they lost a lot of talent and didn't really replace it with much. And uh, I got to go Calgary. I just think that, you know, I know that they're, they have a track record of not being in free agency and being very, very successful. But um, I just think they had a drop, a little bit of a drop off last year. And then they didn't really improved this year uh i agree with you mike about the the two teams i I think it is hamilton and and calgary with us with a slight honorable mention to the bc Lions. i think they did some really good stuff uh i think edmonton and ottawa are the two teams that i think came out worse after free agency than they than they went in uh i think edmonton lost a lot of really talented players and i just i don't see what ottawa did that leads anyone to believe that they are going to be demonstrably better in 2020 than they were in 2019. So I guess, I guess those are, those those are kind of my picks there. Uh, Before we head out, you and I last week (laughs) decided we were going to pick a handful of players and decide, Hey, where do we think they're going to land? And we made some predictions and uh, some of these players uh, four in particular, Luke Tasker, 
Derek Dennis, Sean Lemon, and Darrell Walker have not signed anywhere, but the rest have. So we're going to hilariously talk about how bad we were at this. Uh, let's start with the first one, Mike. SJ Green was the first guy we did. I had him going to the BC Lions. You had him going to the Montreal Alouettes. We weren't even in the right freaking country because he signed in the XFL. And that kind of came out of left field. It, it did. Uh, you know, you'd think a guy like SJ Green with that kind of name, he's getting up there in age and coming off an injury. But uh, you think he would have landed somewhere in the CFL. Um, goes to the XFL. I believe he signed with the Seattle Dragons. Um, and I hope he makes an impact. I, I really do. Maybe he, you know, balls out down there and then comes back. And it, it's a lot of football. You know, that's 28 games in a short period of time. But maybe he goes down there and then does well and comes back, signs a CFL contract for a little bit more money. We'll, we, we'll see about that. But, yeah, I did not see um, him going to the XFL. Cleon Lang, I had him staying in Toronto. You had him coming to Hamilton. He sent out a tweet about two hours before free agency started where he pulled his name off of his Argos locker. So I was like, well, I got that one wrong. He signed in Ottawa, Mike. Just, we are bad at this. Yeah, it's so, it's it's tough. It's tough to predict where free agents are going to go. You know, a lot of the time, they're the only ones who really know what's going on. So, yeah, we are pretty bad at this. I'm making up excuses, but we're, we're not that good. <laughs> uh, Jagari Davis, I had him landing with the Red Blacks. You, ding, 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 got one right. Had him coming back to the hammer. So take a bow on that, my friend. Hey, didn't I got two right, didn't I? Because I, um, I had levels coming to Hamilton, didn't I? We didn't do levels. I swear I said I wanted levels. Well, you, you might have said you wanted him. That doesn't. He wasn't part of the prediction game, though. But uh, I'll, you know what? I'll, you know what? I'm sure you did. I will give you a half point. Actually, we did, right, you know what? We point. did talk. You know what? No, we did. When we talked about guys, that was during the segment where we talked about guys. Um, when we did our who do we want to come to Hamilton thing, and we were right. talking. So about, it, was, it was less of a prediction, more of a more of a more of a hope. Yeah. Him. No. Okay, that's no, fair. We both we we did talk about Patrick Levels hopefully coming to Hamilton, and uh, but yeah, that wasn't part of our prediction game, unfortunately. So. You only, get, uh, you only get you only get partial credit for that one. Uh, Riker Matthews, we both had him staying in the hammer. He goes to BC. That one uh, that one sucks. Dylan Wynn, I ding 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 get one right. Had him staying in Hamilton. You had him going to Toronto. I think that's one that you're okay being wrong about, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think I was talking under the, the assumption that maybe Willie Jefferson would land in Hamilton, and we couldn't afford Dylan Wynn. But you know. I'm I'm very happy with how that worked out. I'm very happy to have Dylan Wynn back in the middle. Speaking of Willie Jefferson, we both had him heading to Toronto. He stays in Winnipeg. We both had Solomon Elamimian coming to Hamilton. He stayed in Saskatchewan. I had Micah Johnson going to Winnipeg. You had him going to Ottawa. He goes to BC. Larry Dean, I had him staying in Edmonton. You had him going to Calgary. He comes to Hamilton. Mike, that is awful. Yeah. Yeah, pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. Why do but, people uh, listen to us? We don't know what the I hell am. we're talking about. I have no idea, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad they do. <laughs> well, I'm glad they do too, but that was Podskiwi for this week. I am Josh Smith. Uh, Mike Graham, eat them raw. Eat em raw. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.